Welcome to FedScoop's podcast series on IT modernization and governments brought to you today by Docker. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in today's episode, we take a look at the growing role of portable software containers and their ability to help agencies modernize their IT more quickly and securely. Joining us today is Leo Garciga, Chief Technology Officer for the Joint Improvised Threat Defeat Organization, a component of the Defense Threat Reduction Agency at the Department of Defense. Uh, Leo is a big data and DevOps subject matter expert, and we're glad to have him join us today. Welcome to the program, Leo. Thanks for having me on. Also joining us today is Chris Cyrus. Chris is Director for Public Sector at Docker, a leader in the containerized application development space. Chris, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Leo, I'd like to start with you. Tell us, why do you think that containers and enterprise-grade container platforms have become such a powerful tool for developers and IT operation teams, and why should agency executives care about that? Great question, Wyatt. I, I think number one reason is really bringing that uh, development and operation space much tighter together. I think historically we've seen the traditional development model uh, really take some time to get capability out the door by having to have continuous handover of both software and security from just the development environment onto the production environment. I think the number one thing, especially from a development standpoint, is it really allows developers to take full control of that ability to not just write code, but as it's executed, get it securely pushed out to the production environment without having to really do a robust handoff piece-to-piece -piece like we used to do. I think the other piece that, that's not often talked about is from a security perspective is really lowering the threat vectors that can attack uh, some of it, especially web applications that you're developing. Uh, those two specific areas right there are probably the biggest reasons why moving in this direction makes sense. I think the other piece that we've mentioned a lot of times when we talk about containers is the ability to pull them back and, and push them forward so quickly. So as threats are found on the network, historically going through that path to actually mitigate those threats has been a, a little bit of a time-consuming piece because there's, there's a lot of hands involved in that process. By placing them in the containers, what that really lets you do is very quickly make fixes, push them out in a seamless manner, or your customer on the other end really doesn't see the changes uh, to the network. So th those would be my, my top three big reasons why it just makes sense to not only move in this direction, but really make it part of your modernization plan, especially if you're a federal agency. Well, Chris, you work with a lot of agencies. What would be your answer as to why this is gaining momentum? And again, why should agency executives care about this? I think that just to add on uh, to what Leo said, it's spot on, and, and that really culminates in speed to mission, right? The idea is that containers can really increase the efficiencies of a software supply chain. The ability to support your customers in a very stable, secure, and again, very efficient way from a speed and a deployment or, or, or distribution perspective of content is really one of the most valuable aspects of, of containerization from a modernization perspective, right? Why agency executives should care at the high level, and we've seen this across various aspects of the federal government, is frankly just the groundswell of this new development culture. This is the way that SIs and FSIs are wanting to deploy either custom content or commercial off-the-shelf software components of the next generation of the app of applications. And so I think it's, it's almost a responsibility of most data center operation folks to be prepared for this wave of content that's going to be distributed to them as containers and have a very secure and operationally aware infrastructure in place to support the deployment of this new wave of applications that are being created. And it's really the contractors, as much as the custom development, 
and also the software providers themselves that are really taking hold of this new way of packaging up their applications and using that as a more efficient way to get their applications and, and their intellectual property into the hands of the users. Well, Chris, let's just take a, a brief minute to explain what's the difference between a container engine and an enterprise-grade container platform. For the most part, a container engine, it provides an infrastructure that abstracts away the dependencies of underlying infrastructures, right? So much in the way that we're familiar with VMs and hypervisors that abstract away hardware, containers can abstract away any resources, how they're presented to a container engine. So that means that you can provide multiple services, service components, applications, or application components on a single shared infrastructure without being dependent on that infrastructure or the varying infrastructures throughout the supply chain of application deployment. So whether you're going from development to test to prod, the container in and of itself is a very stable mode of transportation of that content to run very stably and securely across the move through that pipeline. And then really the difference between an enterprise platform and just the container capability itself is, is all around day two operations, right? The ability for operators to manage, right, to, to secure, and to orchestrate that content over a variety of different use cases that an enterprise might interact with. How exactly do containers lower agencies' infrastructure cost? And also, touch on how that improves security. I'll first address speed of delivery, because, and I'm glad that, that Cyrus brought that up as, as one of the key pieces, right? I think the probably the easiest way to look at this is to give you a little bit of metrics, at least from my experience over the last year, both operationalizing a, a secure DevOps pipeline and, and leveraging Docker. The six months prior to our employment of, of containers at, at the enterprise level, we went from nine releases to 86 releases in six months. So it's a significant increase, right, by a factor of seven just about. Uh, I think the other piece on, on speed of delivery, which was an interesting thing that we found, just having that if you had to start from scratch or move an entire capability to, let's say, new hardware or to the cloud, or anywhere else, our experience was something that ordinarily would have taken us four to five weeks, we were able to actually get done in 48 hours, which is pretty remarkable. So when we talk about speed of delivery, that's, that's a key piece right there. I think the other piece on that part is deployment lead time. So time from when a, a developer hits commit and code to the time that it's out on the production network. Our traditional time was about 23 days, figuring uh, security accreditation and, and kind of getting the infrastructure ready. Right now, our average is about under five hours to actually get code into production from when it hits commit. So I think you can definitely see that speed of delivery increase and, and how containers are critical to making that happen within a mature DevOps environment. I think the other piece on vulnerabilities is, is incredible, right? I, I think that's where we were a little bit shocked, right? We read the literature. We've had a lot of conversations with folks like Docker about this. We're really starting to see now is our ability to actually address critical vulnerabilities that traditionally have been at the you know zero to 30 day on vulnerabilities to get them fixed, uh, being able to fix them within a day, right? And quickly get the fix in and back into production. Um, the other piece of that is being able to see them, right? I think that what containers do afford you with some additional capability wrapped around it is the ability to have some real-time monitoring of those applications at a, a more detailed level. So your understanding of the risk that you're taking on a minute-by-minute on a -minute basis from a continuous monitoring uh, perspective definitely goes up. And uh, Chris, back to you, what additionally do you see in the way of uh, containerization actually improving the security posture of agencies? 
Sure. So, I mean, the key points to us around security is in, in many ways around two different aspects. One is knowing exactly what's in the content that you're distributing to certain environments. I think for the first time, you're now able to get a binary level inspection of all of the content that's being distributed to a particular environment and be able to provide uh, CVE checks and other types of, of, of security policies against a binary level inspection. And that's something that's significant in certain environments and certainly beneficial to anybody in the security space, right? And, and also, so I, I look at this in the form of blast radius. What you can really do is limit the blast radius of any given sort of problem in a particular environment and then give a very quick path to remediation, right? So the ability to pull that content back when we notice something's amiss or something uh, malicious is taking place, reset that image and get it back to the customer in a secure and stable format. And why what we found, which was an, the un, some of the unintended benefits of so your CIO or your CISO, what we really found is implementing containers really did standardize our enterprise quite a bit. And not only did it do that, but the, the level of governance that definitely we were able to apply and the visibility we were able to see on not just the things that were getting deployed onto the network, but the risk level of the things that were getting put on the network and where they are on our risk threshold in real time that's a huge piece of the benefit that we've definitely seen over the last uh, year to 18 months. Leo, it seems like containers are a great tool to speed up development, but can you talk a little bit more about how that's speeding up and actually improving mission-critical applications where you are? Yeah, sure. So a couple of things on that, right? I think from a recovery time perspective, which is which is always an interesting one for, for CIOs, right? You never want to be down too long. We've seen on most of our applications where we have had a hiccup, 74% reduction in, in recovery time, right? So we used to take maybe an hour is now you're, you're into the minute sense right now. I think the other piece around that, and we are always concerned about cost, and, and I think that's really where we're seeing a lot of bang for our buck is really pushing out our deployments uh, via containers just based on the engineering work that was being done and the amount of back and forth between developers and engineers. We're going to see about a million dollars this year in, in cost savings right off the bat. I think that that's a huge piece right there between the cost savings from not just lowering that, that time between um, break-fix but also lowering that time to deploy in aggregate is definitely a huge cost benefit for us programmatically and on the network. Uh, Chris, what additional thoughts do you have on how containerization can improve mission-critical applications and, and also improve the DevOps productivity of agencies? Productivity to me comes back into how we make more efficient use of cost, right, or how we speed time to value for either the mission itself or to various types of customers across the board, right? And one of the things that we're seeing in a more general aspect is not only the efficiencies of cost savings for application deployment, as Leo kind of lined out for us in detail specific to his environment, but what we're seeing also is just the actual physical reduction of, of VM footprint and physical server footprint. The ability to run higher consolidation of workloads on a lower, a lower volume of infrastructure, less VMs, less hard Hardware. What we find here, and I guess what, what really drives us specifically, is the ability to take workloads that may have required in the field from warfighter support 
um, a Humvee or a facility to deploy this application across a group of, of people in the field to now being able to take that same capability and put it in a backpack or put it on your belt. That's a level of efficiency that, that excites us that containers are really driving the capability for. Um, in one case in particular, we're working with a, a systems integrator where we were actually able to remove servers off of an aircraft, which increased their nautical flight time by over 180 miles just by reducing the weight. So it's very, you get efficiencies in cost, but you also get efficiencies that are very tangible to the men and women of the country who can really benefit from the consolidation aspect of containers as well. Let me ask the both of you as we wrap up here, and I'll start with you, Leo. What should agencies keep in mind when looking to take advantage of enterprise-grade container platforms if they're not quite up to speed yet? So a couple of things from a, from a security perspective is really getting the uh, certification and accreditation folks and authorizing officials on the networks really brought up to speed on the technology, how it works, how it mitigates and minimizes the threat vectors uh, against applications that are getting deployed and capabilities that are getting deployed, and bringing that really into the fold within the enterprise. I think the other piece around that, too, is ordinarily if you're pushing out containers, you're doing it within the DevOps pipeline, so it's really re-looking really at your policy and your processes to support much more streamlined approach to getting capability out the door. That's the number one thing I, w I would say is really that, that piece around certification and accreditation and making sure that, that you have the right skill set and the right capabilities to interrogate software code early and often and make a lot of decisions up front from a security perspective that are going to make you very successful in deploying uh, secure containers out uh, to production. The other piece around that and, and big lesson learned that, that we had from you know our journey over the last 18 months is that you do have to spend a little bit of time looking at site reliability engineering and how you're going to bring that into the fold because it's not just deploying a container, it's deploying a container in a way that, that the rest of the network gets exercised with it um, so you can have a fully deployed uh, production capability when you push out. Um, the other piece, too, is just getting the workforce, getting them less scared. What we hear a lot when I go and talk to other uh, federal agencies and within DOD is this human capital fear of, hey, some of this technology and some of this automation is going to impact my workforce, and I'm going to have to relook the folks that I have. To a certain extent, that is true, but really it's going to streamline your operation to be a lot more efficient and a lot more effective at getting capability out. I think the other piece to think about is as enterprises are looking to modernize, this is a much quicker path and much more seamless path when we start talking about consolidation of, of server rooms across the country, we start talking about some moves of some capabilities from on-prem to off-prem on the cloud. This is really a key technology that's going to facilitate making those moves very seamless and increasing the speed that you can do that at without really getting into a lot of work on both the security end and on the rebuild of infrastructure end. Uh, Chris, as agencies continue to move into more of a cloud and hybrid working environment, what additional things do they need to keep in mind to take advantage of enterprise-grade container platforms? Yeah, it's a great question. And to Leo's point right around certification, and a lot of that also is, is the responsibility of the vendor itself. And just recently, Docker finished its FIPS 140-2 validation for, for our crypto libraries for the Docker Engine Enterprise. So I think a lot of that has to be in not only the policies and the procedures of the government users' content, but also we as Docker and also any other container platform company really needs to do their share in making sure that we're up to the standards that really facilitate those types 
types of certifications and requirements on the on whether it be defense civilian right or on various levels of security requirements or in the environments they want to deploy to I think from a hybrid perspective where containers really shine is just the immutable nature of the content once it's in a container. If you can immediately containerize them and move them from older operating systems, older infrastructure, to newer, more stable, or more secure, and in some cases, even supported infrastructure that previous applications did not have that benefit of. And once they are containerized, that content can move freely across multiple types of infrastructure, whether that's physical on-prem or whether that's your choice of cloud provider. Container doesn't care about the brand of infrastructure that you use. It just cares about the resources it needs to run and the dependencies go with that app. And so when you're looking at either hybrid cloud, on-prem, off-prem workloads, or even edge IoT type scenarios, containers are very versatile across a variety of use cases that can benefit an, an enterprise on infrastructure that has to support those use cases. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today, but Leo Garcia with the Defense Threat Reduction Agency and Chris Cyrus at Docker, thank you both very much for taking time today to help shed fresh light on the growing role of containers and container platforms as ways to improve infrastructure, application development, and security at federal agencies. I also want to thank the folks at Docker for making today's program possible. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash. Look for more of our coverage on IT modernization in government at fedscoop.com. Thanks for joining us.